Welcome to Insights, an Amplify original series giving you insights on cultural myths, employee engagement, and why it all matters. Over the past four weeks, we've made an effort to go beyond the buzzwords, digging deep to understand how to truly build a winning employee engagement strategy. Along the way, we talked with industry experts about how to deconstruct these buzzwords and get to the root of the issues. Today, we're wrapping up our season by speaking with one of Amplify's chief engagement strategists, Michael Vasey. Throughout this season, you've heard Santiago sprinkle in his insights when it comes to employee engagement. Now, we're turning to Michael to get his perspectives on these buzzwords and what he's seen some of the top people leaders do to address them. Michael, thanks so much for joining us. It's my pleasure, Nicole. So I want to first start by talking about the buzzword from the first episode of the season, employee engagement. When we spoke with Carla Taylor, we discussed this idea of our employees are our greatest assets. What do you think is the risk for companies who view employees simply as an asset? It's a common phrase that, that we hear out there. But um, yeah, assets, is, it's kind of a financial term, right? And um, people know that. And people, people see themselves as, I mean, humans are complicated, right? And so I think that we need to acknowledge in this process that we don't want to do something subtle to kind of reduce them to a dollar or to get them towards that maybe end revenue target that we're hoping for. People have feelings, they have personalities, they have styles. And specifically as it relates to employee engagement, the way that people hear information and process information is so basic to it all. And I think leaders and managers need to think about that. Um, And that's just a little bit more complicated than thinking of them as assets. That's already kicking us off with a great perspective. Assets is a financial term, and employees are more complicated than that. I think part of what plays into that is this idea of purpose that we also talked about in that episode. And how do you think having an understanding of purpose changes how companies think about engagement? At Implify, we think about purpose as understanding where the company's going. And are we all going there together? One particular I've noticed in the workforce, the younger folks have an even greater appetite for purpose. And so to define this even further, it's really about alignment. And if we don't have alignment with where the company is going, both personally and as a team, then we have silos. And silos are the death of engagement in many ways. And so that's why um, not only for managers to understand what purpose means and why it's important, but also the C-suite we got to talk we have to work actively to break down silos and even when purpose seems really clear and it will seem clear inside the c suite it does not always seem clear down through the layers of the organization wow i really loved that the the phrase you said silos are the death to employee engagement is so accurate and i think we've seen that come through a lot in the the guests we've had this season So also in that episode, we talked about the idea of head, heart, and hands as this way of connecting employees to the mission of the organization. Can you tell us what that looks like in practice? If you think about head, heart, and hands, head is an intellectual connection between the employee to the employer, and heart is an emotional connection. And if those things are both working, then then people will do things. They'll spend discretionary effort to help the business. That's what, what, what hands means. And so a really good way to do this in practice is to talk about as a culture the behaviors you value, not just core values, but 
the specific behaviors. And a good way to do that is to recognize, not only call them out, but recognize people who exhibit those behaviors. And those are people that often are your most engaged. And even talking about humanizing what an engaged employee looks like is a really good exercise for most companies and then rewarding that behavior. That really helps people connect the head, heart, and hands in a way that they can you know, touch and feel. Yeah. Do you have any stories of any companies you've worked with that you think did that really well or recognized that and, and kind of made an adjustment to get to that point? Uh, yeah. I, I have worked with a couple companies who decided to recast their core values to be a little bit more specific um, behaviorally. And they created almost like an archetype of a person. They gave them a name and they said, look, this, this person's name is Jane and she is an engaged employee at XYZ company. And it helps people, it helps put meat on the bones because I think the problem with core values is if they're just hanging on the wall, if they're not tied to behavior, they feel this, like this aspirational thing that we'll either never get to, or this thing that the C-suite talked about for hours in a room and then put on the wall. Another way to do it is to have almost like an identity document that flows out of core values and talks about the things that we hold dear, the behaviors we hold dear as a culture and why. And so, yeah, those are some ideas that have made it more accessible. Yeah, that's really great. So if we have some listeners that are thinking, yeah, I wish we had a company full of Janes, but in reality, we probably have more disengagement than engagement. What are the necessary steps in making that 180 degree turn from disengagement to engagement? I would say, number one, recognize and praise the behaviors that you value and kind of not ignore, but but I would sort of discourage the behaviors you don't value. Another key topic for this one, if you want to make a 180 degree turn, I find that a lot of folks in the C-suite, they need to get closer to the work. They need to get physically closer down into the org chart and ask a lot of open-ended questions. Sometimes that gets them a more realistic view of what they're dealing with. And it helps them develop their own archetype of a Jane uh, for what they value. And, um, you know, they, they get surprised when they get closer to the work. And it's good for them. I have many, many stories of folks that they would tell me things like, well, I thought I had lots of systems that told me exactly what was going on everywhere. And then they show up unannounced to a site and they learn things, right? And doing employee engagement measurement, that's what often in our business, that's what prompts them to do it. And so it's been really fruitful. If you want to make a 180 degree turn, it often stops with, with, with it often starts with the top of the org getting closer to the bottom. So really, we, we've talked a lot about throughout this, this season too of, is it leadership's responsibility or is it the individual responsibility? And I think you said that well, it's both and it's kind of coming together in the middle so that the individual and the middle managers are more connected to what's going on in the C-suite, but the C-suite is also getting their hands a little bit dirtier and getting closer to the heart of what their business is. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's pivot a little bit. Speaking of 180 degree turns, uh, let's move on to our second episode, which was uh, where we talked with Liesl Mertes about employee wellness. So how did a buzzword like employee wellness become attached to things like ping pong tables and kombucha? It seems a little bit backwards to what that term is supposed to mean. Yeah, I think a challenge with employee wellness is people are looking for fast answers and quick wins. And employee wellness is 
it's kind of complicated, you know, it has to do with health and engagement and several factors, um, your physical work environment, what's going on at home. Golly, which one of those can we affect as a business? Um, well, let's put in a ping pong table. That's cheap and that's easy. And so I think that's how it's kind of slid into kind of the cheap version of employee wellness. I will tell you, though, that even if you do have um, a healthier workforce, there's very little that, that will overcome a really bad manager or somebody in the wrong role. And those are things that you will see um, in Implify's sort of process in our analytics. You know, you just can't overcome some things. And so in that way, we need to lean into those things because ping pong tables and perks, even gym memberships, aren't going to get past that. Kind of what I heard you say there is a really good wrap up from what we've heard about all of these buzzwords is they become buzzwords because we look for quick wins and you put them out there and hope that it's going to solve feedback or communication or wellness or happiness or engagement or whatever it is that we're trying to get to. But the quick win is often trying to solve a poorly defined problem. Absolutely. And and if problems are poorly defined, I mean, it is you're going to be in a spot where you're going to lose. Um, I mean, I, if you are measuring engagement routinely, it's going to inform maybe some of those poorly defined problems and stop some of that guesswork. And so I would encourage folks to consider something like that. Outside of wellness, do you have any examples of where you've started working with a leader who thought they were solving a problem, but then when they actually saw the data, realized that they were totally off base? And kind of what was that experience for them? You tend to have folks at the top of the org that they have a variety of levers they think they can pull. And one of those is compensation. And um, I've had several people say like, well, we just, we don't pay them enough and we can't pay them enough. And so we're stuck. And really they're not stuck. Um, After they saw the data, they can see that soft skills really stink. They're just really bad for their managers, their their middle core or their supervisors. And then I'll tell them soft skills have hard impact. Like you have people who could help train up these folks with soft skills without paying them more money. We need to go there. That's where the data is leading us. Because again, throwing money at people, even if you had it to throw at people, isn't going to overcome those types of gaps. And so I've seen that one in particular over and over again. Absolutely. I think one of the other things that I often hear people talk about is, and we actually heard it in the, in this series, is people waiting until the exit interview to get the data and the feedback that they use to define and solve problems. So, and you've kind of made it clear, measurement, but how can leaders get in front of this and create a culture of feedback and safety where feedback is welcomed and is shared from those lower level employees that actually can help change come into effect in real time? The exit interview is the worst time to hear about cultural issues, right? Because it's too late. I would strongly encourage folks to consider regular engagement measurement. Um, It is going to give you a set of objectivity uh, and a lens of objectivity to kind of look through. But even more than that, having a consistent expectation for leaders to talk with their teams on a regular basis, I know this sounds very simple, but routine communication about how that employee is doing Um, what they're doing well, what they're not doing so well, man, that just heads off a lot of surprises. And so those two things in combination are going to give you early warning signs before you get to the exit interview. 
And, you know, it's just going to reduce your risk. Absolutely. So as the series has unfolded, we recognize that a lot of the words that we've heard, feedback, trust, transparency, communication, etc., are all drivers of engagement. So what are some of the other drivers that maybe we haven't heard yet, and how can we be intentional about improving those? There are a couple of things that I always hear from, from people that, that they think are their biggest problems. One of them is just this idea of, well, there's too much to do. We're just busy. That's driving our engagement. We're in heavy season. And I know that some seasons are, and we have seasonality to the work, but at Amplify, we can definitely give more specific words to these and help people actually help their people. For example, capacity and competency. So capacity is really a barometer for stress and what the inputs the employee is able to bring to work. Whereas competency is a barometer for how confident someone is that they're going to meet a goal. And competency specifically is very actionable because sometimes the way the goal was even developed was mysterious to that employee. And you can talk about it, the, the, the why and the how. And you can talk about blockers that are keeping them from hitting that target. And even most so, I would say a lot of organizations really stink at relentless prioritization. And the organizations that are winning understand that working smarter is having focus and saying no to some things. And that will be specifically measured in this competency capacity area. And that gives you a path to actually act on it, which is much better than just saying, oh, well, we're always busy. We're in a busy season. We can't do anything about it. We talked a lot about feedback. And even in kind of what you were describing, there's two-way feedback. You as a manager or a leader need to explain why goals were set or what's going on in the business, but you also need to hear from the employee about blockers they're facing or ways to improve. How do you create that two-way communication? I would say a great way to create two-way communication is if you're the manager in those discussions, you should be asking more questions than, than, than giving directives. And um, you should probably not be talking more than a third of the time. If you actually analyze that, you'll have some sort of realizations, I think. It's about getting the employee to activate. And when you get the employee to activate, you get to the truth. It's a really good question by the leader to invite feedback back. Like, hey, what am I doing that's frustrating you? What should I know if, if you were in my shoes? And there's even one other simpler question that if you ask it two or three times, it gets to the truth. And that is simply, what else? If you ask what else three times, you'll get to the truth. So we've seen this sort of develop in some of these one-on-one frameworks. And um, you just, as a, as a manager, we want, we want to get them talking, right? And don't just run through project status and give directives. You're not going to get to the truth. You're not going to you know, uncover the risk. That's the way you develop a two-way street. Ask what else. So I'm going to ask you, Michael, what else? If we have listeners that have gone through this whole series and heard us talk about buzzwords, but still think that engagement and people and culture is just a buzzword, what else would you say to them to kind of help them wake up to the change in society, the change in business, and the importance of of this topic? I would say that humility and the process, those who are humble, um, they, they tend to win on the scoreboard. 
I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting effect. Um, you know, a lot of leaders, you know, kind of type A, aggressive, hard drivers, but we also need to have a sense of humility that you may not know all the answers. You may want to talk to people. You may want to ask a few more questions. The people that seek will often find if you don't seek and you make assumptions and you're not measuring anything, you will get surprised and surprises cost money. When you lose A players, when you don't understand the younger workforce needs different things and people who are getting ready to retire, you will get surprised and it will cost you on the bottom line. So I would encourage you to lean into it, to seek, to maintain that sort of humility. And those are the folks that I'm seeing um, that are actually winning. I love that. All right. Now I have to ask you, what is the buzzword that bugs you the most? Oh, golly. I would definitely say happiness. Uh, I still hear a lot of leaders say, well, they're happy. Don't worry about them. Or, you know, we can't make them happy. And really what it reveals is that they have a kind of a frame, which is about satisfaction. And satisfaction is about perks and money and keeping people happy. It has very little to do with alignment, role fit, growth, growth mentality, professional path. Those things aren't really sort of considered when you think about that. And that is actually most of what engagement is. So, so I would say absolutely it's, it's happiness. And it's, it, it might lead you to kind of an easy, cheap answer. If it's a ping pong table, for example, that's going to build you a tiny bit of runway, but it's not going to solve your core issues. All right. Well, I think we killed the buzzwords, right? Well, as we discovered, it's more of an ongoing process. The problem with these buzzwords is that they inherently imply, just like Michael said, that there's an easy, quick win. Do this and problem solved. However, truly making positive changes in our organizations requires a continual commitment. It's about making progress step by step. Over time, we can truly make the kinds of changes that attract great people and keep them. Getting there isn't easy and it can't be solved with an easy, trendy solution, but it's well worth the investment. Michael, thank you so much for joining us and really appreciate your perspectives and and some of the the tactical things that we can do to improve engagement. It's my pleasure, Nicole. All right. Now let's go out and give it a try. Let's kill the buzzwords and do something real and lasting. Thanks for joining us on this season of Insights, and we'll talk again soon. In the meantime, head on over to Amplify.com backslash Agile, that's A-G-I-L-E, and you can download the first chapter of Santiago's book, Agile Engagement.